0: Um, it is uh, my privilege to be able to share God's word this morning, and I appreciate Pastor Jeremy's confidence and allowing me uh, to be here and to uh, to uh, bring the message this morning. As uh, we were talking earlier this week, and he let me know that uh just uh that that uh he just felt like maybe it was a, a, an opportunity to do this. And so I was thankful for that opportunity every time. I am thankful uh that uh that I get the privilege to do that. And uh during this season, I know uh he mentioned that we'll give a maybe have another opportunity here towards the end of October, and uh I'm thankful for that. Summer's a a busy season for us over at camp and I appreciate your prayers and uh and uh your support. I know that. Uh, Bethany Baptist Church is a pivotal partner uh, for Camp Loma de Vida, and we had another wonderful season of... uh of uh, hundreds and hundreds of campers and uh, just dozens and dozens of salvation decisions and spiritual decisions. And I'm thankful for that, but I'm thankful for this season when uh, we get to do some of the other things that we do at camp and also uh, be a little bit more invested here at church. And I'm thankful for that. Thankful for you guys uh, being uh, being a part of all that's going on. And I appreciate so much uh, the opportunity. If you would go with me to John chapter eight, and uh, as you're getting there, I just want to say that, uh, um, I don't know about you, but uh here as we uh, went through uh what we call our stewardship Sunday and just looking at, hey, what am I gonna give? What are we gonna give as a family to construction? And then thinking about, hey, here in a few weeks, we're gonna give towards um uh towards missions and, and missions is given towards our missionaries around the world as they uh take the word of God forward and as they invest in seeing the kingdom of God built in lands that you and I will never visit in, in Villages and and, in countries that you and I will not be able to to be there like those missionaries can be investing their lives and and uh, I want to share this with me. God brought this to my mind the other day because I was reviewing some of our family finances and and uh, it caught me off guard. But uh, how many of you have like an Apple uh, subscription for music? Anybody here have Apple? I'm looking at a generation. I'm a little bit worried about. Okay, we got some that are uh, there. All right. How many of you uh, you you have a Netflix subscription? You have a Netflix subscription, all right. Some of you are open and honest about that. All right. Um, uh, how many of you? How many of you have like an Amazon Prime subscription? You like you have Amazon Prime. All right, good. Uh, well, I I was uh, doing the family budget and it scared me as I added up all these different costs. Uh, we uh, we needed a Google Drive because we got to have all of our pictures and documents saved in case something happens to computer. It's reserved in the cloud. Well, that costs you two ninety nine a month. And if you if you have a uh, 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 your cable subscription. And if you have your internet subscription, man, I'll tell you what, as I started to do the math on that stuff, um, God just brought a convicting spirit to me because sometimes we can come to church. And I'm like, well, I already tithe. I'm a, I'm a tither. And, uh, and man, now I got to give to construction. Man, now I got to give to missions. And sometimes we just think about those things in those terms. But man, when you look about it for yourself, all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, I do put a lot here and a lot there. And what a great thing to have a church that directs us and have leadership that directs us to think about investing in eternity. And I appreciate Pastor Jeremy even mentioning that as far as like, hey, there's a lot of good things, both investment wise and even uh, consumption wise, that you can do with your funds. And we know, uh, I'd say, you know, always uh, funds are limited and we understand that, but we're thankful for those that are willing to partner uh, with the church and be a part and all in on the church and doing what you can. And we just ask that you continue to prayerfully consider how you can be a part of what's going on. We're thankful for those that are um, I came to uh, this morning and uh, I come to John chapter 8 as I wanted to share uh, something that is, is is practical something that is meaningful something that uh, here this morning we can uh, just walk out of the doors here in a few minutes and, and be able to apply I thought about here recently I was um, I was walking through Hobby Lobby. Uh, one of my sons is having to do a volcano model. And so I was looking through through the, the model aisle of Hob- Hobby Lobby and I uh, was looking for, oh, well, we need to find a model volcano because I'm sure not gonna build one from scratch. And so I'm, I'm looking for the little volcano kit and things like that. And I look across the aisle and here are all these little model cars. How many of you didn't either did model cars or do model cars? How many, do we have any of it? Okay, we got some that do. All right, good, fantastic. I, I remember my older brother, Jim and I, uh, man I was young I don't remember how young I was probably like nine or ten something like that and uh, he got uh, in it, it must have been um, maybe I was a little bit old I don't remember it was like 93 or 94 a uh, 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 camaro model right and I remember it was a green model and he and I uh beginning to paint the pieces as it's all disassembled and then beginning the process of assembling the co- the rims and the tires and and putting the uh, the the little fake engine inside side of that and putting the door and putting there, um, th- those are things that all of that stuff was able to, uh, to do uh, to be able to assemble that car together. And, and, and as I walked through that, it brought those, those, uh, those uh, memories to my mind as I walked through uh, that aisle there in Hobby Lobby. And it also sparked my mindset in regards to uh, what we're going to look at today, this morning. I called the message this morning the mo- the modeled Christian life. As we look at John chapter eight, we will find obviously the paramount, hence the word Christian, uh, a, a small or mini Christ. And, and here this morning, we're going to see Christ in action. We're going to see Christ in the thrust, Jesus in the thrust of, of his three and a half year ministry life, uh, which is part of his 33 years that he spent on this earth physically. And and so as um, as we're there in John chapter 8 i feel like we can draw out some great realities some great truths that are applicable to your life and to my life and obviously we could take uh, as i did in college and many of you that went to a christian college did you could take an entire semester or a year just on the life of christ and and you could just dive in there's so much there And so obviously the minutes that we have together, uh, that's not what we're going to do. But I'd like to take some snippets, just some clips that I believe will uh, thrust us to consider, to, to think about. And you know, as I think about what Jesus continually had to do, be it with his enemies, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day, be it his fans, those are the crowds that swarmed after him, be it his followers, those that were his disciples, whether it be part of the 12 or whether it be the extended group of disciples. What he continually had to do with every one of them was continually redirect their mindset. So this morning, my desire As we set aside a time out of our schedules of activities, family uh, needs, uh, uh, our our schedule of work, our schedule of activities and events. We set aside an hour, hour and a half to come to church. I believe what we're trying to do is draw closer to God, which is a good thing. I believe what we're trying to do is develop the discipline necessary, which is a good thing. I believe what we're trying to do is obey what God says, forsaking not the assembly of yourselves, Hebrews tells us. I believe what we're trying to do is to redirect ourselves, and I believe that's a good thing. So I want to help us in that regard this morning. And John chapter 8 is just another snippet of all of that life of Christ of redirect, of redirect. And as I look here, I kind of want to just read a few verses. Um, I want to read verses 12 through through 20, though we will be jumping around through the entire chapter. I want to just start there because I just, I love these verses and I believe they have so much to tell us says this in verse number 12 of John chapter eight. It says, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, by the way, I don't want anybody to get confused, but just so I love the readability of it. And so that's where we're at. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid, even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agreed about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness and my father who sent me is the other. Where is your father? They asked. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in a section of the temple known as a treasury, but he was not arrested because his line, his time had not yet Come. Amazing. Jesus, an encounter. Jesus, uh, courageous. Uh, Jesus, at a time in which um, things like this were not said. Jesus, going contrary to uh, the political uh, leadership of the area, going contrary to uh, uh, the religious uh, leaders of the area. Uh, Jesus, wanting to redirect the mindset, knowing that it was necessary because if he left them in their state, it would be a sad state that they would continue to be in. Jesus didn't want that for them. He doesn't want, us, want it for us today. Why? Why does he come in and want to redirect us? Why is it important for us to evaluate and look at the modeled Christian life? Because we need it, because it's what's best for us. So this morning, if you would give me the next few moments of your time and give God's word the next few moments of your time, I believe it will be worthwhile as we look at some things that I believe will encourage us and help us. Let's pray and ask for God's help this morning. Father, first and foremost, I thank you for your grace upon my life. Unmerited favor I have, Father, because we do not and I do not deserve to be here were it not for your grace and your goodness upon my life. Thank you for your, your blood that was shed 2,000 years ago on a cross. You took our place, you took our sin. And so, Father, this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to realize that we have been purchased with a price, and that you call us out among the dead to be among the living, to live the truth, to live the life that you want us to live through your grace and through your power. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would guide our thoughts this morning, help it to be edifying to every life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The modeled Christian life. I want us to look just basic four components this morning that I believe will be a help to you. I believe that if you can grasp them and if you can apply them, it will be something that will encourage you and it will be something that is attainable and applicable even this very day and this very week. I want us to look at first and foremost that Jesus modeled a consistent life, a consistent life. As we look at John chapter 8, it begins with him speaking about being the light of the world. Well, if you go back, even in John chapter 1, we find that uh, Jesus was the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten. You see, from the very beginning, Jesus was the light of the world, and he continued to be the light of the world. Everywhere Jesus went, he carried that light forward. Oh, uh, as you study the life of Christ, you will find that in every circle and in every circumstance, he brought the light, the truth, and the gospel message to where he was at. He was consistent. You will find that here it is in the Feast of Tabernacles and here Jesus is doing what he did in his ministry life, which was to go to the temple, which was to go to the community square, which was to go where the people were and to consistently expound truth, to consistently manifest and show truth. He was consistent in his portraying and telling the gospel message. He said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And that message was consistently lived out day after day after day. Jesus was all about the consistent walk with the Father. Even in this very morning, uh, the night before or the day before he had been in the temple speaking with uh, the Pharisees and, and, and doing some other things. And, and that night he had gone up to the Mount of Olives. Many believed to pray overnight, perhaps to pitch a tent and find somewhere to stay. Because as you well know, Jesus had no place of his own here on this earth. He, li- he borrowed people's houses. He stayed out in the field, uh, but he consistently walked with the father. He was about the father's business. He was about the uh, manifestation of the reality of the gospel being that he was the light of the world, that he had come from above and he had been sent to the earth to point those that were around him to the father and to the things from above. Dear Christian, what about you and I? This morning, as we look and we examine the real thing, as we examine the, the complete reality of it, as we look at our modeled life, as you look at the tires, the rims, the engine, the doors, the windshield, as you look at that, does it reflect the real thing? The modeled Christian life. It's a modeled, consistent life. Where are you this week? Where are you this morning? Where are you this month? Where are you this season of life? Are you modeling? Are you portraying? Are you carrying forward that you have not what he had? He was the light, but we are uh, partakers of the light. We have tasted of uh, the river of life. We have, we have had our sins washed away. We have had our lives uh, rescued by the great rescuer. Oh, that great resurrected savior. Do we consistently reflect that to the world around us? Do our coworkers, do our classmates, do our neighbors see a consistent model life that points to the light of the world, that points to the things from above? that consistently encourages others to believe. Jesus says in John 8, verse 23, He says, Jesus continued. This is him speaking to those Pharisees. You are from below. I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Jesus' clear representation of the gospel was consistently put forward to everyone around him. In love, yes. In a way in which uh, uh, he understood the plight of man and the sinfulness of its condition, yes. But he nonetheless did not sugarcoat, did not hide, did not obscure the reality that sin was a problem. Jesus was the solution. And unless you believed in him, there was no hope for you. Jesus didn't present a wishy-washy evangelism. He didn't present a half-hearted reality about the reality of man's condition. In verse 24 says, you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am who I claim to be. That was true 2,000 years ago in the treasury, in the room of the temple on that very day, as much as it is today in the year 2023 on this September 24th. I'm telling you, those words continue to be ring true then and today. And every one of us should have accepted and should accept that reality because that changes our eternal destiny. But then in the walk of that Christian life, I hope that you and I are challenged to live a consistent Christian life, that we are all about the business of God, that we are all about the light of the world. You say, Brother John, but I am a policeman. Oh, Brother John, but I'm a a teacher. Oh, Brother John, but, but I'm a carpenter. Great. God put you there. God gave you those talents and abilities. God gave you those positions. God gave you those coworkers. God gave you those classmates. God gave you those neighbors so that you could take the light of the world, so that you could take the mindset from above, so that you could take the good news that if they believe, and unless they believe, they will die in their sin. God has given us the truth and Jesus having not only been that truth, but having the charge of taking that truth forward, he modeled a consistent life. Not only do we see Jesus modeling a consistent life, we see Jesus modeling a committed life. Look in verse number 23, uh, we find this reality. It says, uh, we see that he was committed to the truth. We just read those two verses, 23 and 24. We see that he talks about being from above and, and he lets them know, hey, uh, in your current state, you are from below. He was committed to the truth. Verse 26 says this. It says, I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't, for I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me and he is completely truthful. Oh, he wasn't there to find a personal vendetta or to be able to have his personal score, his personal score equaled out. No, he was there to communicate and he was committed to the truth. How about you and I this morning, friend? Are we committed to the truth? Say, Brother John, how do I know if I'm committed to the truth? Well, how much time do you spend knowing the truth? How much time do you spend examining the truth? How much time do you spend talking about the truth? You see, there's much that can consume our days. There's much that can consume our conversations. There's much that can consume our devices. There's much that can consume so much about us. But you see, Jesus modeled a committed life, committed to the truth. Not only was he committed to the truth, he was committed to the task. Look at what it says in verse number 32. Oh, uh, well, Let's look at verse 31 and 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He was all about the task of taking the, the word of God. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to share the good news that the truth was that Jesus, Jesus was God in the flesh, sent to the Father to die in place of all mankind instead of their sins, in the place of their sins, in their place. He was willing to take their sins on himself, and he was committed to the task. He was willing to go forward. He was willing to go forward, and he knew that what was to come Bible says that he speaks about, look in verse number 28. Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. You see, uh, Jesus didn't have the revelation in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, sometime later that Jesus was asking him to come to the cross. You see, that baby in a manger had a conscience. He knew the reality was that he was born so that one day would come, that he would be the Lamb of God that would be sacrificed on the cross. You see, all throughout his life, he knew that the task that he had at hand, the task and the weight that he was going to be living with for those 30 years, years was that one day he would crawl on a cross, he would be committed to die, and there he would suffer and die, but he was committed to the task. Jesus modeled a committed life. How about you and I, dear friend? What are we committed to? Oh, you look at the statistics today, you look at the inquiries and the surveys, and man, one of the biggest challenges of uh, the church, at the, and I say that capital C, the church at large is is Commitment. And man, leadership today is all about how do you get uh, this generation committed? How do you get that generation committed? And there's more and more challenge. But, but dear friends, I see that the Bible doesn't give us a way in which we can live a Christian life and not be committed. It is one and the same. It is blended together. It it is, the fabrics are so intertwined that you can't have one without the other. There is no Christian life without commitment. There is no commitment without the Christian life. You've got to have them both. And so dear friend, I say this morning that Jesus modeled a committed life. He was committed to the truth. He was committed to the task. He was committed even to the trial. He knew, he knew what was going to happen. Look, the Bible tells us in um, verse number one, Jesus returned uh, to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. He was there. Uh, he, he. Day in and day out in the life of Christ, he forsook pleasures. He forsook comforts. Day in and day out, he forsook what, what could have easily been what he wanted to do. Because he was committed to the task. He was committed even to the trial, to the reality that there were gonna be times where there would be crowds against him. Oh, there were wonderful times where he he broke the bread and and, and fed the five thousands. Oh, there would be wonderful times where they would lay the palms down in front of him as he rode in on the donkey. There would be wonderful times. But he knew that there would be many times where like at the end of this story, they were ready to stone him. And he would have to miraculously escape. But none of that swayed him. None of that changed him. He was committed. He was committed. Dear friend, this morning, can I encourage us as Christians, as we look at the Christian life, the modeled Christian life, may we find that we are doing what we need with God's help. Through the leading of his spirit, To live a consistent life, to live a consistent Christian life, to live a committed Christian life, committed to the truth, May we truly le- seek to know it. May we truly seek to study it. Man, I'm thankful for a church that says, hey, you know what, Sunday nights, we're gonna do small groups. I saw uh, Brother uh, Samuel put a video up. Hey, here's what we're studying uh, in my class. I know uh, some of the other, Brother Josiah, are you teaching Brother Josiah? You are, right? Brother Josiah, and and and, uh, in, and a couple weeks ago, he stood up here and said, hey, here's what my class, what, what, are, we, what are we doing in small groups? Why do we do, why has a church, does Pastor Jeremy put that out? Why, because, We want to be equipping the saints with the truth so that you can be better committed to the truth so that you can know more of the truth. Because as you know more of the truth and the spirit of God dwells in you richly, then you can start living out more of the truth for the glory of God, for the glory of ourselves, Yes, will our marriages be better if we go to this class? Yes, praise God, yes, because that's a that's a, a side effect. But the reality is, is that what we most want is for God to be glorified and strengthen families and strengthen marriages and strengthen hearts and strengthen Christians result in better lived out Christianity. He was committed to the truth, committed to the task. He was committed to the trial. He didn't mind. He was slandered against, he was questioned. You'll see in many of the interactions, even in this passage, uh, the Pharisees questioning who his real dad was, basically calling him a bastard and sometimes even straight out calling him that. They question his integrity. They question that he was all about himself when they were all about the kingdom of God, when exactly the opposite was what was happening. How frustrating that must have been. And yet he was committed to the trial. Could have easily been frustrating to see the Pharisees in the nicer houses and with the comfort, the more uh, comfy life. But he was committed to the trial. He would go up to the Mount of Olives and pitch his tent and the Pharisees would leave their temple and their luxury to their luxurious lifestyle but he was committed to the trial. It's a committed life. He modeled a consistent life, but not only that, he modeled a controlled life. Look at what verse number 16 of John 8 says, John 8, 16 says this. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The father who sent me is with me. Verse 26, it says this, it says, um, I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. We read that earlier. What is he manifesting in these verses that he was not there to do his business. He was sent by the father to do the father's business. He was not going to say what he wanted to say. Oh, he could have told them off, man. He could have put them in their place, but that wasn't what the father had sent them to do. He was only going to say what he was led to do and what he had heard from the father to say, Oh dear friend, may we as Christians understand how important. It is to model a controlled life as Christians. Oh, I was saved around twelve years old. I'm forty-two now, and in thirty years, I think that's the biggest challenge that I faced. I think many times, be it with sin controlling my life be it with my own pride controlling my decisions surrendering control is a hard thing as a human being so easy to take up that into our own hands Humanism teaches us that we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We make our own destiny. We are the ones that decide. We are the ones that go forward. And yet the biblical revelation and what Jesus fights against is saying, you are gonna win when you lose control, when you give up control, when you willfully say, yes, I could, but no, I shouldn't. So therefore I won't because this pleases the father. Can I get an amen as to how hard that is? It is hard. Because the flesh wants what it wants. Because pride wants what it wants. Because it's so easy to give in. Because it's so temporarily satisfying to be in control of life. But Jesus modeled a controlled life by the Father, by the Spirit. Every part of Jesus' life was controlled. Verse 28, we read it earlier. I'll read it again. Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man on the cross, not if, not perhaps, when. It's a done deal. It's sealed. It's delivered. Hey, dear Christian, how much can you say to God when this happens? Because you know it's done. It's sealed. It's delivered. When it comes to your time, when it comes to your talents, when it comes to our treasure, how much of it is signed, sealed, and delivered? You wrestle with God about your tithe and your offering every month? Or is it signed, sealed, delivered? Your time alone with God? Is that a wrestle? Is that a, well... If Facebook gets boring, if Instagram doesn't have nothing new, okay, ain't got. Or is it a sign, sealed, delivered? When? When? Jesus modeled a controlled life. You know, what's funny is um, I'm, I'm a big student of just different things. And um, when I was more into sports, I, I loved modeling and, and, and I were seeing the, the uh, super athletes. And now I'm kind of dabbing in business and other things like that. And I love seeing that. And you know what's, in, what's interesting is that the, these, these traits are true from a human uh, perspective. Even if you take the spiritual ingredient out. You know that that the most successful people are usually people that are that are very controlled, or very disciplined in their life. they They become very successful, whether it be a a financial entrepreneur or some other aspect of their life. It's control, it's discipline. And when we bring it to the Christian component, it's what Jesus modeled that brought about success. It's what brought the victory. It's what made it happen. And dear friend, yes, you and I are not Jesus, but we claim to be mini Christ because we Take the name of Christian, and that name of Christian is exactly that. It's a mini Christ. And so this morning, I encourage us, I I invite us, I invite you and me both, because the struggle is equal to look at the modeled, consistent life, at the modeled, committed life, at the modeled, controlled life. I I don't know what the King James says, but I, I laughed when I read verse 26. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. <laughs> Made me laugh. How many times, whether it be at the merging of the bridge on 281 or wherever, they're like, yeah, okay, well, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. At, le- at least you heard it through my windshield and behind the, the closed door, but you heard me. I got it right. I let you know what needed to be said. I'm still in the struggle of that. My kids play sports. And as every good coach and parent knows, referees are all blind. Oh, man, and, uh, you're like, man, I'm gonna say what I gotta say to you. Well, at least I said it. I look at Jesus and he says, I have much to say, much to condemn, but I won't. How much of our life is controlled, not by us, but by the Father, by his truth, by his word. Teenager, how much of your life is controlled? Oh, teenage years are known as the wild oats years. They're a time in which you can kind of do and behave and act and all these things in an uncontrolled way. I don't see the the word of God gives us room for that. It encourages us. It invites us. What was Jesus doing as a 12-year-old boy? Well, he was in the temple contending for the faith. Already as a 12-year-old boy, having discussions and teaching the law to the Pharisees that he would later have an encounter with some 20 years later. Many of them probably still there. Controlled, consistent, committed. Dear friend, as we look at the model Christian life, may we be inspired. May we be challenged. May we walk out of these doors in these moments to come and may we say, Hey, where is it that I am losing control? Where is it that I am taking up control where I shouldn't? Where is it that my commitment is divided? Where my commitment is not where it should be. Am I committed to the truth? Am I committed to the task the father has given me? Am I committed to endure the trials that sometimes come? Where am I with my consistency? As I think about Jesus, that baby in a manger, as I think about Jesus, that 12-year-old boy in the temple, as I think about Jesus, that 30-year-old man going day by day, month by month and teaching and training and equipping those disciples of which now you and I are fruits of them 2000 years ago, as that gospel seed was going to be planted in them. And then was going to be watered through the blood of the saints for those next several dozens and hundreds of years, as that gospel message would spread and would cover the face of the earth. And you and I are recipients I think that not only Jesus modeled a consistent life, a committed life and a controlled life, but I think he modeled a complete life, a complete life. Can I encourage you third, fourth quarter Christians, remain faithful, remain committed, remain in the game, remain constant your example, your participation is necessary. Oh, that complete life. Yes, Jesus' was a brief 33 and a half year life, but I believe even if he would have lived a hundred, he still would have modeled that complete life, that life of remaining faithful. John eight thirty-one it reminds us, Jesus said to the people who believe in me, you are truly my disciples. If you remain faithful to my teachings, can I encourage you dear Christian. I don't care if it's year one of your Christian walk, year 20, year 40, or year 60. Remain completely faithful to the truth. Remain constant. Remain where you need to be faithful to the teachings of the Lord. This morning, we are called to follow that modeled Christian life. We find in the New Testament, time and time again, uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Time and time again, the New Testament puts before us this. This is the life for you to follow. This is the life for you to hold on high as being the paramount model. This is who you should be looking up to. This is the author and finisher of our faith, as Hebrews says. Here it is. This is who we look up to he remained faithful and so and i so you and i should as well you and i must make room in our hearts what were what was the biggest challenge for these pharisees verse 37 of john 8 says yes i realize that you are descendants of abraham and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message oh the father had the son's heart completely He modeled a life that whose heart had been completed, given to the father. Now I ask you, now I ask me, is there room in our hearts for the the father? Is there room in our hearts for that life that he has called us to? Or is there just sections of our heart for that? You see, uh, the Pharisees, uh, they were willing to give God uh, their appearance. They were willing uh, to give God uh, uh, their traditions. They were willing to give God their rituals. Oh, they would show up for Sunday service, sure. But what they were not willing to give God was their heart. And yet Jesus tells them all that's missing and all that's ne- necessary for a complete life is your heart. How telling. How important. Jesus modeled a complete life. He remained faithful. You and I must remain faithful. Do you have room in your hearts? This morning, just simply wanted to challenge us. On that modeled Christian life, say, God, examine me. Wish I could say success was every day, but it's not. But are you in the fight? Is that mindset at least being churned for you occasionally, time to time? Do you see that battle? Do you see the battlefield? Do you see what is necessary? Are you making better strides today? I think I told you in another uh, time that I preached, I read um, Atomic Habits secular book by a guy named James Clear and talks about that 1% change and what that 1% change makes over time and what a difference it makes. I think about that in the Christian life. You went from zero to minutes in the Bible this week, okay? Can you start with one this week? If zero was last week, can you start with one this week? Can you start with five this week? Can you you give him 1% of your week? Can you give him 5% of your week? I've not shared the gospel with anybody for a month, okay? Can you share the gospel with one person this next month? One person. Can you take one of those little index cards from the lobby and give it to the person at the McDonald's drive-thru and say, hey, I just came from church. I'd love for you to read that. If you ever want to visit with us, address is on there. If you've given God zero in the last month, in the last year, can you give God 1%, 5%, 10%, 20%, 30%? (laughs) We have to get to the point where the rubber meets the road. You have to get to the point where the model Christian life isn't something that takes place between the pages of this leather-bound book, but takes place in between and inside of your heart and where that is truly lived out. Father, we love you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time in your word. I pray, Father, that you would just guide us and lead us every one of us, Lord, myself included, from the pulpit to the last pew. We need of you. We struggle, Father, and we come up short. Sometimes we come up so short that it's easy to just throw in the towel and say, well, I'm never going to get there. And yet, Father, you graciously and patiently wait for us and encourage us. Your grace is there more and more and more. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Thank you, Father, for this morning's challenge from your word. Pray that your spirit would do the work in every heart and every life. This morning, the invitation is simple. Just encourage you, take a moment, find an area of that life that we laid out. Is it consistency? Is it commitment? Are you, are you needing to make more commitment? Is it something that there's an aspect of your life that's incomplete? Maybe you're coming up short in one area, two areas, five areas. Can I challenge you this morning to just say, God, would you help me? I've been challenged by your truth and now I wanna answer. I want to be controlled by you. I need to be controlled by you. Your mission, your task, your words. Help me, Father. Father, we love you. Pray that you'd work in these lives and in these hearts as you do mine as well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.